Alrighty then, so how many of us have had to take the road of humility lately? Maybe in the last couple of years we've had a family member or a co-worker that we have had to um, be humble or speak in humility or in these days taking the higher road, which is kind of like an oxymoron to me because you're taking the higher road yet you're becoming humble, which is like a lowly state. But for the sake of argument, we'll just use that term. I'm sure many of us have had opportunities like that. And while becoming humble teaches us how to love better and teaches us patience and also builds a better character within us, we need to know there are rewards for that. I have stumbled across a beautiful promise for walking, living, talking, in humility. So this is not your run-of-the-mill teaching in humility. Tune into this episode and feel how Jesus feels about you when you take the higher road. Come to Capernaum with me and see what happens when Jesus teaches Peter about humility and how Jesus comes through with provisions. I pray your eyes and your heart are enlightened to this beautiful promise and I will talk to you at the end. Well, hello, all of my wonderful friends and listeners uh, from all around the world. I am so glad you tuned in today. I have what I consider to be one of those hidden encouragements. It's one of those things that I have been reading in the Bible for years. And when I was reflecting on this passage um, recently within the last couple of weeks, you know, Jesus just brought it to a whole nother level for me. And it's found in Matthew chapter 17, and it's the familiar story of um, Peter and Jesus paying the temple tax and being able to do that by finding a coin in the mouth of a fish. You know, taking the higher road is not easy. Um, In fact, I really don't know when it's been easy. I think it gets easier, but I don't think it's ever just flat out easy. So in Matthew chapter 17, this is how it plays out. Jesus has been spending um, a lot of time with the disciples, getting them to understand what freedom means. Freedom from the law of religion, freedom in relationship with the Father. So in the Old Testament, God had set up a a tax. You could call it like a, a, a religious tax. And it was called the temple tax. And once a year, um, I believe it was the Israelite males, so the Jewish men 20 years and older, once a year were obligated to pay this temple tax. And it was basically for the upkeep of the temple. It was an Old Testament law that, that God had put into place. And in the New Testament, they were still enforcing that law. Peter and Jesus are walking into Capernaum and um, Peter is approached by the temple tax collectors. And they're curious to see if this man, Jesus, who they're following is going to uh, feel obligated to pay this temple tax. And so they ask Peter, hey, is Jesus your friend over there? Is he going to pay the temple tax? And right away, Peter's like, well, yeah, sure. You know, Peter's thinking, well, of course he is. He's Jesus. He's going to do the right thing, right? Then Peter walks into the house where Jesus is. Jesus says, Peter, let me ask you a question. When the kings of the earth collect taxes, do they collect taxes from their own children or do they collect taxes uh, from the strangers? And Peter says, oh, well, from the strangers. They don't collect it from their own kids. Correct. Because the sons are free. 
And Jesus is reiterating this once again to Peter because he's been explaining this to him and the disciples. He says, you are a, a son who is set free. A son who is free, a son, period, does not um, fall under the obligation of paying this temple tax to the house of the father because the temple was considered God's house. Well, when you're a son of God, you are not obligated to fall um, into that expectation. Now, this is not, again, this is a temple tax. This is a religious tax. This is not like the civil taxes, the government taxes from, um, from the Roman government. This is completely separate from that. And so as he's giving this illustration to Peter and he says, you know, we're really not obligated to do this. He says, but Jesus says this for the sake of not offending anyone, we're going to go ahead and pay it. So what Jesus is doing is he's telling Peter, this is what they're expecting, but because we are a son of God, we are not obligated to pay into this house. It's only, it would only be for strangers. It would not be for sons. So as he's explaining this to Peter, he says, even though we're not obligated, I'm going to teach you a lesson in humility. He doesn't say those words, but this is his lesson. He said, look, I don't want to offend them. He tells Peter, we're going to go ahead and pay this tax. And then he begins to provide the temple tax. And how does he do it? He does it by asking Peter to do something he's very familiar with. Peter was a fisherman by trade. He grew up learning how to fish. It's what his dad did. It's, it was the family business. And so, so Jesus looks to Peter and says, go grab your pole, put your hook on your, on your line, go ahead and cast it into the water and catch the first fish that you get, bring it out of the water. And there was a provision there. They opened the fish's mouth and there was that coin that they needed to pay for both of them uh, towards the temple tax. So the highlight of this passage wasn't just to confirmed to Peter that he was a son set free of religion, but also to show Peter an act of humility and how the kingdom of heaven has been designed to bless humility. When you humble yourself, you will then be exalted. A provision will come for you. You will either level up, you will get a provision, you will get a blessing. Look, I don't know how that happens to us because I believe that we are so unique to our heavenly father that it's in that uniqueness that he decides how he's going to bless us or reward us. As I was thinking about this, I was like, Lord, I need like a, a visual of of an example of what this looks like. And he brought to my remembrance where I was in the line, the return line at the department store, and I had something I wanted to exchange. Let's just say it was a blouse at the time and it was a different size. And so I'm waiting in this long return line, right? I get up to the counter. Uh, the associate um, tells me, okay, I, you know, I'll go ahead and hold this one that you, that you don't want anymore here at the counter, go into the department and pick out what you want. Um, instead, and then instead of waiting back in that long line, go ahead and bring it back up to the counter and, um, and I'll just do the, the exchange for you. So you don't have to wait in line again. So I go and I grab the blouse that I need and the correct size. But as I'm walking back to the return line, I notice this line is super long, if not longer. And these people are looking at me. They're glaring at me as I walk up to the counter, but they don't know. They don't know the conversation that took place, right? They don't know that I have the, okay, I have the, the clearance. I have the authorization to go right up to the associate at the counter and do the exchange because I've already waited in line, but a lot of them didn't see that. So I see the look, the glare on their face for the sake of offending anybody 
are causing a misunderstanding, I just go stand back in line. Now, look, I know a lot of you are like, what? I mean, surely they would understand. Well, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. I mean, there's new people in line. You know, I don't know. You'd be surprised what people don't understand. And even though, yeah, I had, I had the okay to do it. I just didn't. I chose not to do it. I chose not to offend anybody. And I went and stood back in line. What would happen is I would get back in that long line. And all of a sudden there would be an announcement over the intercom in the store that they needed help at the customer service desk. And so all these extra associates would show up and then the line would just fly through. I mean, I wouldn't have to wait near as long as I thought, or maybe I, I started a conversation with the person in front of me or behind me that was really important and imperative. Maybe I realized they knew somebody I knew and, and the world just got a little smaller that day. I'm just wanting to illustrate to you that God has a blessing for humility. And I know that seems probably like a shallow example, but it's a good visual for me. And I hope it's a good visual for you because I know a lot of times when we need to take the higher road, it's not just in the return line. <laughs> department store, sometimes it's a lot more intense than that. And I believe the more intense it is and greater the blessing is. So I really want you to take away from this. If you feel that unction that taking the higher road would prevent offense or a misunderstanding, go ahead and take that higher road and see how the Lord will bless you with that. The apostle Paul said it, um, also in First um, Corinthians uh, chapter nine, he says, "You know, I need to be approachable to people. I need to become all things to all people, so that some might be saved." And what he's saying by that is, I might not be able to lead everybody to Christ, but I'm going to make sure that I am approachable to everyone. Now, Paul didn't mean that he was going to compromise. Um, his truth, and he wasn't going to compromise the way he needed to live, but he was definitely going to remain approachable and try to omit offense as much as he could. So he could have that opportunity to show people what Jesus Christ looks like, what he sounds like, so that some at least might be saved. So put this into practice in your daily life, but also ask the Lord to remind you of of times in the past that you've taken that higher road so he can show you where he worked on your behalf, where he worked to benefit you, to reward you for those times and ask him to show you what the kingdom of heaven was thinking and was seeing and was singing over you in those moments. Because that wasn't just for that other person to feel loved. That was a moment that the kingdom of heaven got to rejoice over you. Do you realize that? Like there's rejoicing and singing and dancing over you when you make those beautiful moves in humility. Like Peter, who knows, maybe your blessing will come to you in the context of what you love to do. Remember, he was very gifted at fishing. He knew how to do it. It was the family business. And that's how his miraculous provision for the temple tax was given to him. So maybe it's hidden inside your gifts and your talents or inside what you do, inside your career, inside your hobbies. Maybe it's there. I pray this blessed you today as much as this passage has blessed me. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will be talking to you again soon.
Thanks for listening today, friends. Remember, God hears your prayers and God answers your prayers. He says in his word that he leans down from heaven and he inclines his ear to hear you and to answer you. So when you ask him today to help you see those moments where you were talking to someone or living out something that was this state of humility, ask him to show you how he's seen you at that moment and how he rewarded you. And believe, beloved, believe that he will do that. He loves to do that. Be blessed, be encouraged, and I will talk to you soon.